What's up, fight fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Sunday, November 1st, 2020, and this week's episode, A War Worth the Wait. We'll be talking about last night's main event between Uriah Hall and the legendary Anderson Silva. Was that his final fight and what's next? We'll be talking about the latest in the world of MMA, Israel Adesanya moving up to face Jan Blahovich. We'll be talking about the possible location for Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier, whether or not we will see Habib Nurmagomedov fight again, and of course the recently announced Bellator flyweight title fight between Alima McFarlane and Juliana Velasquez. And we'll close it out by talking about this Saturday's big fight, Tiago Santos taking on Glover Tashira. Three times it's been scheduled, it looks like they're finally going to do it. My name is Gabriel, and I'm joined by my amazing co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Double G, welcome back Thank to the you. land of the free California. <laughs> I mean, Vegas is pretty free too. Vegas is free. Hey, how is Vegas, like, would you say, compared to normal Vegas? <laughs> you know, okay, so, uh, like, people ask me this a lot, um... I just don't go to the strip like you know usually when you go to UFC we're at this hotel and they're doing media stuff here and the T-Mobile is right smack dab on the strip like literally you know walk 10 minutes you're right there on the big strip by the MGM I'm by none of that I like literally like the part I see is very rural I drive by a Walmart the grocery store Target uh, the shoe store there's absolutely nothing fancy about the area where the UFC HQ is at and the street going there. So literally, you know, what I could say is that um, I, I've heard it be a little more, uh, how do I put it, tightened up. But when I was first going, masks were very optional. Let's just put it like that. They were okay. not, you know, it was not as big of a deal as it is these days, I think. Gotcha. All right. Well, welcome back, man. How do you feel? Well, for all right. So for fans who haven't figured it out, so I got back from Abu Dhabi last week. But being from California, I did not actually get back. I stayed in Las Vegas for the um, last week's event. I didn't want to like. After you've flown that long, the last thing I wanted is to go there and like, you know, the next day, pretty much drive all the way back to Vegas for the event. So. I just sat tight and I spent the week in Vegas, so I did all my time adjustments. It feels good. Um, I got home and it's like, you know, the only thing is like daylight savings now, which after you've done 11 hour time change a week ago to have to do one more hour is still just cruel and unusual punishment. <laughs> but um, you know what? I'm sleeping better. I've slept more. I'm kind of the jet lag is gone. I feel entrenched. It feels like a weird dream. Like I have the pictures and all that from Abu Dhabi, but it's like, did it happen? And it's like, I know it did, but you know, it happens so fast. Sometimes it just feels like a whole other, it feels like a long dream I had for sure. That makes sense. That makes sense. All how right. Was, how was your Halloween before we talk, talk about this? Oh, well, it was pretty chill. Mr. Joe uh, dressed up as Chewbacca. Now, um, from Star Wars. I bought the costume like months ago and it was size COVID or not? For oh no, it was already COVID time. Okay. But he was um it was size twenty four month. So he's ten months right now. When I bought this and I was he's already wearing like size two T, like two year old, because he's just really long. Uh anyway, so I bought it and I was like, oh man, I hope it fit. So it just barely fit. Like his little toes were kind of curled and like the little foot things. <laughs> so we, you know, we put it on him, took some pictures, went to the park, take, and then we took it off and we moved on with our life. So all you really needed was the pictures. <laughs> He's fine. All right. um, documented his first Halloween, right? Exactly. Documented his first Halloween. And uh, one of my husband's sisters, so Joe's aunt's aunt got him um, like some nice little baby like snacks as a, you know, pseudo Halloween candy. So he got something. He got a treat. Oh, that's and, good. Uh, that was it, man. No one came knocking on our door. So, so, you know, as far as, like, traditional Halloween activities go, I saw none of it. Did, did anything – did they do any, like, spider webs uh, at the you, UFC? You know, ironically, we had a little bucket of candy, and they – all the 
tables. Everyone's spot in the media room had a little, uh, like a little fake spider, like the little plastic ones that are like, you know, 50 cents at yeah. Party City. And then everyone had a little pa- pair of orange, the fake vampire teeth, which I never oh. put in my mouth, to be honest. But Well, yeah, know. it's a little anti-COVID yeah. protocol there. But it was very nice. They were yes. everyone understood it's Halloween and we're working, so it was nice. That's very nice. Yeah. So let's get into it, though. So and we'll talk about it November first. Wow. Jeepers. The last seven months, it's like it's flown by, hasn't it? <laughs> I mean, it's so weird that we spent this whole almost entire year living in and basically lockdown, quarantine, you know, some form of it here, way or some way or another. It's so bizarre, man. It's, it's like, basically Christmas. It's like it's cold, but then it's like, no, nah, it, it hasn't been that long. Anyway, but yeah, just to acknowledge it, um, let's get into last night's main event. Uriah Hall, Anderson Silva. You know what? I, I, I will say this. If it was going to play out the way it did, I did not expect it to play out. What was it? Three rounds? Four rounds, I believe? Yeah. Yeah, you know, so really a lot of the fight, Anderson a little more active, Uriah, you know, just very patient, looking for his openings, but there just weren't that many in the first two rounds. What I will say is, um, and I broke this down, uh, I don't remember if I said it this way or if it was just when I wrote it, but an Anderson Silva victory is most likely winning a dirty fight. I did not think he was going to win some shootout you know, pull out the fancier kick in the middle of the octagon and mid-range. I never thought that was going to be how Anderson Silva won the fight. I thought, you know, similar to how he fought Derek Brunson, get after it a little bit, get in his face, not take damage, you know. And for the most part, that's how it looked like Anderson was looking to do. He wasn't looking to really exchange. But then Uriah Hall started picking up the pace. And I think that was the thing is that Anderson took too many risks down the stretch. He left himself open. At the end of the third round, I mean, you had a case that they could have called it. Herb Dean gave Anderson every opportunity. And then early in the fourth, it was l- almost picture-perfect same position. Uriah catches him. Anderson goes to the ground, eats some ground and pound. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing I got was you were reminded that Anderson Silva's 45. Mm-hmm. Uh, you feel like a younger Anderson Silva probably eats that shot and comes back and does something. Uh, Anderson Silva today just really his legs and just he really wasn't there after that if I'm being quite honest I um you know it was very it was very tough you know even if he if it's gonna go down let it go to decision I think if this is really the last night but you know the fight game is beautiful and it is cruel and I think that uh it sent out Anderson Silva you know very unceremoniously I'll say it like that yeah, yeah, you know, like uh, the UFC uh, little videos, they make the thrill and the agony, right? We saw all of it. So I actually learned of the outcome of this fight before watching it. I didn't get a chance to watch it live. I saw the clip of Anderson hugging, I think it was Herb Dean's leg, and I thought, oh, no, I can't watch this. You know, if it wasn't for our podcast, I don't know how long I might have waited to watch the fight. But I'm actually glad that I did because – that I bit the bullet and did it because, as you as you described, Silva was doing was doing pretty well for most of the fight. He was landing uh, leg kicks. He was pushing his pace. He was winning rounds. Like I know he got knocked down in the third round, but up until then, I thought he had that round. Um, you know, as you said, we know what happened in the fourth. Silva got a little bit careless. He walked right into Hall's power. Once on his back, you know, he did it at the end of the third. Did it again when the fight was finished in the fourth. He didn't fight back. You know, I think maybe. Old Silva would have been able, as you said, to take the punches or be a little bit, you know, he liked to do his evasive moves with just his head, right, slipping punches. Um, a little defense would have definitely helped here, just just the way he was doing on his feet, you know, that crisscrossing of the arm, something. But he, he offered zero defense, uh, so he just kind of ate all of Hall's punches right on the mat there. Uh, it was tough to watch, of course. We both picked Silva. And just kind of we're hoping, I think, more than anything, that it would be, you know, like I said, he's um, not as good as he once was, but he's as good once as he as he ever was. So that's what I was hoping for. But um, after Hall defeated Silva, I felt in my, my heart the way Uriah Hall um, acted out with Silva, I guess. Uh, acted out is not the right word, but he knelt down. 
he, he bowed his head. He was crying. He said, I'm sorry. I love you. That's exactly what I would have said if I, you know, had just defeated my hero in that same fashion. So I really appreciated seeing Uriah Hall show all that much respect. Like he really felt bad. He was gutted that he did that to his hero. Um, it was super classy of him. And, you know, Anderson Silva took his time. I was glad to see him taking his time, trying to soak it all in. And my last thoughts were, damn, wouldn't it be cool if the fans were here just to really give him the love so he could really feel it? Of course, not to be. But um, look, a lot of the greats of, of, of MMA and, and more recently have not been able to go out with the win, but it doesn't matter. You look at the whole career, Anderson Silva for me is still the greatest of all time. The spectacle of his fights, the performance, the showmanship, everything. So it is what it is, but, you know, he can he can maybe go have a beer with with uh, Bisping and DC and and they can talk about how it sucks to leave on a on an L. <laughs> yeah, you got that right. Um, you know what? Yeah, it was just very rough. Um, I think you summed it up. You know, he's one of the greatest of all time. Uh, great show of respect. Um, in terms of the future, uh, Uriah Hall was number ten. Uh, th- this was big for his profile. I'm not gonna say it was big in terms of you know. That fight didn't suddenly put him right there with Robert Whitaker for the middleweight title, if you get what I mean. Yeah. I do believe that, um, you know, Uriah will most likely try to rebook Jacare or uh, Yo Romero whenever something happens there. And I think that's what we'll see next for Uriah Hall. Let's talk about Andrew. Or do you have anything to add about Uriah? No, no. Not at all. Yeah, I agree. Um, Anderson Silva, uh, it sounds like, you know... It, Dana White said, look, he had two, fight on, two fights on his contract, but the only reason I gave him one more was if he agreed that this would be the last one. Mm. Anderson Silva essentially said, well, if this is it for UFC, I want to go fight somewhere else. Or, you know, like, this is it for UFC. I don't know if this is it for me, period. So he kind of left his own door open. Dana White didn't like that. And Dana White said, I don't know if he fights, but it sure isn't going to be here. I think... um. I think that's fair. Uh, I'll say this, uh, and it hurts me to say it about my favorite fighter, uh, you know, very biasedly. Um, I think that when you talk about the damage in recent years, the layoffs, the injuries, the sheer facts, the age, the timing, the competition today, uh, to you know, uh, unless you're going to give him a type of legends fight. And I, when I say legends fight, I mean like Randy Couture. You know what I mean? Like yeah. someone, if he's not fighting another 45-year-old, I don't want to see it. Exactly. You could argue if it's another 45-year-old, you still don't want to see it. But to put him in there against somebody, you know, anybody like lower level, not a name in another organization or what have you. I think would just be unfair. I think that, um, you know, uh, I would like, look, I, he loves it. He loves mixed martial arts and mixed martial arts has loved him. But I would also say, you know, there comes a time and, you know, because I love him, I would say, look, you know, Anderson, you will always be welcome. We will always be happy to see you and have you here. But in terms of competing, I think that that time is just over. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. We all love him so much. We don't want to, like, it's just unnecessary. Nothing left to prove. Of course, we understand the fighter spirit, and he wants to keep going. He wants to keep training. But there must be other ways for him to compete that aren't, you know, this, you know, mixed martial arts, <laughs> mano y mano. Um, you know, maybe grappling or something else. I don't know. But, um... I don't mind that. Yeah. Ch- he yeah. wants to reconnect with Chelsea and maybe some submission underground. Dude, that would be freaking amazing. Why not? Two of yeah. them got got, a, got on the mats together. That, that I'm 100% behind. <laughs> yeah. Um, if this is it, uh, what, uh, last words on the spider. Thank you. Thank you for for making MMA so beautiful, so amazing, so exciting, so thrilling. Like you hear that song and it just gives you chills no matter what, uh, you know, the, you know, sunshine till, till she's gone. 
the, 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 it's like haunting, you know, thank you. That's, that's it, man. Just thank you for, for being amazing for me as always greatest of all time, period. Never, uh, never, uh, will leave room for anybody else in that spot. Yeah. I, he goes down my all time favorite, just really, um, you know, if he doesn't do it with the style he does, I probably don't fall in love with MMA deep enough to do this now. And, you know, yeah, uh, just he did it with style, you know, like I think that's what made it different. You know, he didn't just win. He made it look like art when he was in the Matrix and for those big moments. So, uh, yeah, just thank you as well. My favorite. And just really, like I said, I hope we see him around MMA a lot because the game's always going to love him. Yeah. And that's that's where we are. I hope it's like boxing. Every big fight, you see the guys come out. I hope that, you know, years from now when Conor Jr. and Habib Jr. are fighting, there's this guy that they show just randomly still smiling. You know, it's normal, you know. <laughs> I hope that uh, I want to see that. For our sport, for sure. Anyway, let's move on to uh, some MMA news. We could harp on Anderson Silva all day if you let us. Uh, Dana White dropped a couple of bombs. Um, let's start with the big one. Uh, Israel Adesanya is apparently going to be moving up to take on Jan Blahovic in his next fight. Adesanya, the middleweight champion, undefeated. Jan Blahovic, four-fight win streak. Finished Dominic Reyes. Corey Anderson... Um, Luke Rockhold beat Jacare in five rounds, um, just on a hot streak. Very bluntly, Natalie, this is an amazing fight. I think stylistically it's a lot of fun. And then obviously on the Adesanya side in particular, you're talking about essentially speeding up his timeline. If he becomes a double champ, and I believe it'll only have been about three years just under four in UFC. Uh, I mean, very few things can be said. Uh, they mentioned it in the post-fight presser that, you know, if he wins the, the belt, the only fight you can make is John Jones. And I'd argue this. I think that John, if he doesn't fight out of Sonya as a double champ and he goes after Stipe, that would be a bad look. Because I don't, I'll say this. I feel like, you know, Mind you, I am aware uh, Nganu could change all that, but I'll just say this right now. If Adesanya becomes a double champ, it doesn't matter who's the heavyweight champ. I do believe that there's going to be public pressure like we've not seen for John Jones to take a fight. Yeah, indeed. I mean, what are your um, thoughts on this? Go ahead. Yeah. So Sorry if I took all the good stuff. I do that no, every now and then. No, not at all. No, you're, you're completely perfect setup. Um, okay. I hear your your enthusiasm, but here's here was my first reaction. As good as Izzy is, thinking of Jan, how he finished Dominic Reyes and the way he did it, I kind of was like, man, I don't think I like Izzy's chances here. Not from a skill for skill perspective, but just pure size and power. You know, I thought cheapers. I don't know if this. You know, okay, he just fought Costa. He dismantled him, but. I don't know, I guess I need to see a side-by-side of Paulo Costa and, and Jan Blahovitz, right? Um, so it makes me a little nervous tugging at my collar here. But does Izzy have the, the skills, the mental fortitude and capacity to be the matador again like he was against Paulo Costa? Yeah, I think for a while he can do that. This is me just thinking, like, off the top of my head, right? I think he can do that for a while. But is Jan going to be too big? So that's the big question for me. You know, how much will the size difference matter? And it always makes me nervous in general when someone moves up a weight class for a title straight away, right? Like you don't get a, a tune-up, you don't get a warm-up, you don't get anything, you just go bam. Now, Izzy's a superstar, you know, Conor McGregor did it, but at the lower weight classes, it seems less risky. This one's a little risky. It's ballsy good on Izzy for saying, yeah, I'm not going to wait for anybody else. I'm going to go just get my second belt. So exciting, surprising, check, check. Um, yeah, man, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> I like what you, where you're going, though. Like, if he does end up getting the belt, then, yeah, John Jones, you got no excuses. You better come out and you better sign on the, con- <laughs> you better sign the contract, right? 
Yeah, I, I'm with you. Uh, I understand. Look, Jan Blahovich, I, I say this all the time. I am, uh, I'll say this, I might be his biggest fan in the media. I think he doesn't get enough love for his evolution. I think he was a guy who was about as journeyman, probably one loss away from his job, possibly being yanked without another chance. And he turned it around and he's become the light heavyweight champion on, and who's really taken out the top opposition, you know? And uh, I know the Santos fight, you know, is his only knock in recent years. But really, to me, I think that um, he's a very talented fighter. This is not a gimme fight for Izzy. I think that Izzy, you, once again, you need to see the guy who beat Whitaker and Costa if he's going to take step up and take out a guy like Jan Blahovich, I think that, you know, you can't sleep on it. Anything less than your best, and you could find yourself tasting the Polish power and waking up with him <laughs> on the cage, you know? Yeah. So Indeed. this is a very dangerous fight. I like it. Um, stylistically, it's very fun. Come forward, get after it. What's not to love, you know what I mean? I hear you, man. And uh, I will say this, hypothetically speaking... You know, if Jan Blahovic is trying to bring the fight to him, it should, quote-unquote, be more difficult for Izzy to put him down than he did Costa. Obviously, we're going to be dissecting all the ways whether that is or isn't true leading up to the fight, but uh, I think that's going to be the real key there. Anyway, um, for and this kind of segues a bit into my next question. It looks like Dana White is weighing his options. Uh, the rumor right now is mid-January fight, return to Fight Island in Abu Dhabi, and they're probably going to do another month there, in which case there's a good chance, you know, fight, you know. It looks like the Jan versus Adesanya fight would land in Abu Dhabi. Um, that now is incumbent on whether or not something changes in the near future, which Dana White has teased. Which leads me into the first one, because before we talk about a location for Adesanya and Jan, uh, let's talk about the one he confirmed, Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier is on. Natalie, it can happen one of three places. Vegas, Abu Dhabi, or Texas at the Cowboys Stadium. Hmm. In your heart, today, whether four days before the election, technically two and a half-ish, depending on when you're listening, where do you think it's going to happen? Man, it's Conor McGregor. If you can get a crowd, you want to get a crowd, right? We, yes. We've gone over this before. So but you with, can also possibly, it sounds like we may be able to get a crowd in Abu Dhabi now also. Okay. Yes. Okay. Very interesting. Okay. Well, that makes me. <laughs> okay. What I was going to say is Texas. You're, Texas. You know, Texas freaking, um, what's that place called? AT&T Stadium yeah, or Arena, whatever it is. Cowboy Stadium. Cowboy Stadium. Thank you. And, um, yeah, Texas, no doubt. And America, Conor McGregor, you know, he's he's got his proper whiskey. Um, and here in the States, at least, I don't know if he does in other countries, Australia, Canada, he's really working hand-in-hand hand on the charitable end of his whiskey with first responders. You know, you can get a lot of, of support and love for Conor out here, Dustin Poirier. He's just, you know, man's man. Everybody loves him. Louisiana guy, so right next to Texas. So there's a lot you can do here with that. So my my heart, my money is going on Texas. But now you're telling me that they can have a crowd on Fight Island. I think also someone like Conor McGregor wants the allure, the the spectacle of being able to be on Fight Island. Poirier, probably not so much, right? He already went to Abu Dhabi to fight Khabib. Maybe he doesn't want to do that again. So if Poirier has any say in the matter, he's probably going to want to root for Texas and, you know, Connor, I think he should go for Texas too, but, but you know. Then, okay, before I pass it back to you, I still go back to how much does Dana White, you know, how much is he still pissed at, at Connor for all the, uh, the the blasting of the DM? So um, maybe whatever Connor wants doesn't matter as much. But I still think Texas first and uh, Fight Island like a distant second because of Poirier probably not wanting to go back there. You know what? Um... When I look at it, I am trying very, very, very hard to think of a scenario where they bring him to Vegas or to Texas with this. And I completely get what you're saying. I am sure Connor would love 
that I'm sure the Poirier would prefer Texas. When I think about it, though, I'll say this. Having seen it firsthand, it is hard for me to believe they will not be in Abu Dhabi. Um, Mm. I think that there's just this uh, commitment there that you can't really understate. Uh, Like, really, there was so much branding and everyone was just like, yeah, you know, like they they know UFC is coming back. Let me just put it that way. Haven't been there myself and talking to the people in the area. They know UFC is coming back. And so for me, I feel like the commission and doing all this stuff to get Connor and Dustin to the Cowboys Stadium, I doubt they're going to do the T-Mobile in Vegas. I'll just... Put it, I'll just toss that one out right now. I feel like with all the trouble there, I feel like the commitment to Abu Dhabi is so big that if they're going to do it somewhere and it is going to have fans also, they're going to do the Etihad Arena that was rumored for the Habib fight last week. And um, that's just how they're going to do it. I just don't see a scenario. That, I think that um, all the ducks are in a row. They just kind of... Um, I'll say they just botched the timing a little bit for Habib. They will have fans first. I do believe Dana White. I think they. you have to see it to believe it, but the dominoes lined up to fall to really be ahead of the game in Abu Dhabi is crazy. They have a great, great relationship and commitment. Um, and I do believe that Abu Dhabi will work as much as Dana White and our current president um, got a great relationship, I think that Abu Dhabi might be even more committed and have less tape to filling up or at least bringing in the most amount of people than Texas. I don't know how else to say it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so so the Etihad, that's the new one that there was rumors about having yes. been built or being built, you know. I believe it's already one. established. They're just, okay. you know. They still got to clear a few things to bring everybody in. That's the gotcha. thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So that's that's what's going on. You know, I think they're um, and quite bluntly, if they do that, I can see a month stretch where late January, Connor Poirier, six weeks on Abu Dhabi, they end it with Adesanya versus Jan Blahovich, and that you know, call it macaroni. Yeah, you know what I mean? that's a that's a fun month, right? <laughs> I mean, I I just uh, did you just say call it macaroni? <laughs> I did. I've been listening to you for the last two years, ish. Um, you know what? Uh, all things considered, yeah, I just I'll say this, I, and um, to acknowledge that you know, because the first comment, well, Dana White says after the election, I, okay, there you, we vote on Tuesday. Donald Trump isn't going to say fill the arenas on Wednesday morning. So I think regardless of what action is taken, by the time everything gets lined up, I do believe that it'll still be a couple months into 2020. My, most optimistically, with a miracle, tomorrow. I, I think, and by miracle I mean in medicine, not however you're voting. Um, <laughs> it, just to be clear, uh, I'd, if a miracle were to happen tomorrow medically, we still would not have a full arena till at least April. So I'm going to just leave it at that. Okay. Uh, I, I, my, my point is that expect things to continue per usual, you know, the new normal, probably a couple months into 2021 at the, you know, at least. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's fair. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So in other words, expect more Fight Island, expect more empty, uh, empty Apex. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Dana White says that he spoke with Habib. Habib was, uh, per Dana White, was very emotional last week when he retired and said, you know, he believes, this is Dana, he believes Habib is not done and he's going to go for one more 30-0. Per Dana, Habib is going to talk to his mother. You know, he said he promised his mother he would retire. He wouldn't fight again without his father in his corner. You know, the Nurmagomedovs are apparently having a conversation and sitting down over dinner in the mountains of Dagestan. I don't know if they live on a mountain. I'm just, you know, I hear it said a lot. But, you know, (laughs) the point is they're talking about it. 
uh, Natalie, does this change how you feel? Are we going to see Habib fight again before we start talking about vacant titles and all this other stuff? Man, I don't know. When I heard this, I was like, come on. I don't even want to entertain conversation about, I mean, not with you, but like in my mind, right, with, <laughs> about Khabib coming back. Because like he retired. He left his gloves in the cage. I mean, it was like a perfect way to walk off. Finish the guy that everyone thought was finally going to be the one to beat you because he's tougher, he's stronger, he's more wild, he has the grappling experience. It didn't matter. Okay. So I'm like, okay. It's funny that you mentioned the mom because I didn't know that Dana White had, had talked about that. But that was my first thought afterwards was like his mom was probably like, no, I didn't say to retire. I said to never retire. <laughs> Keep fighting forever. So there's clearly some miscommunication going on. Going on. Um, look, I think that they, for, for two reasons, I don't like this one because of what I just explained, it was like the perfect close of a career there, even though it was 29 and 0, and I do like the idea of a perfect 30, but what I like more is what we talked about last week, which is making Poirier McGregor into the vacant title shot, you know, a championship fight. So now it's like. Can you still do that? Probably, because Khabib retired. Um, but I don't know. It, it just puts this division back on hold, back in purgatory, and I don't like that because these guys are so good. They should be able to fight for the glory, for the belt, and move on. I'll say this, and I, I think that we are going to be left in the proverbial purgatory unfortunately but the only way I see this changing is uh, look Habib's not going to fight Conor or Poirier he has nothing to prove there's yeah. none there's, there's just no reason we're good if it was going to happen I think that we would have been given an indication that it's on I think the fact that they've moved forward to say that Conor versus Dustin is going to happen tells you everything you need to know so at this point is George St. Pierre back on the table? Oh, is God. he just going to take Tony Ferguson coming off the L? I don't know. All I know is that um, that's the only scenario I see. And uh, truth be told, I don't think we're going to be any closer to that in the next few weeks. You know, dare I say it, we may not know until the new year whether or not Habib's actually retired. And I'm sure Dana every week will be bothered about it. And, you know, that'll be very fun for him. Uh, sorry, Dana. Um, thank you for the trip to Fight Island. Um, but, you know, it's just very, like, I just don't see it happening any other way. We're just not going to know until later, just plain and simple. But what I will say is that when I think about it, and I said this on a, and it's weird because you haven't, you're talking about a personal level, personal conversation with family. But I did say this is that, you know, to say... Habib, like, okay, I'm done fighting, and to say the family aspect is a part of it, you get some time, you know, like, look, uh, you go through anything, it's difficult. They take some time away. I could see a scenario where Habib's been training, and he feels like coming back, and he's working hard, and he's inspired by Islam, and uh, everyone else, by Islam Makachev, you know. <laughs> to be clear uh you know, stuff like that yeah 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 I, I realized like wait clarify um you know he's inspired by all this and then he comes you know just i feel like coming back and you know the mother is there and says you know habib we want this for you we're doing okay we'll be okay we want you to fight again too if that's what will make you happy and next thing you know, you know, the return of Habib Nurmagomedov. Yeah, I mean, prob pro possibly. You get where I'm coming from? <laughs> of course, of course I do. But when you mentioned the, the only two people really that make sense, I agree with you that Dustin and Connor do not make sense. As he said himself in the cage, when he retired, I choked them out. Okay, he just beat Justin. GSP, I tell you what, I swear to God, this guy's not, not, I don't say this guy disrespectfully, but he's not going to cut down to 155 and challenge Khabib. No way, no how. 
So if they fight, maybe it'll be some special catchweight exhibition type no belt on the line kind of thing. Okay, fine. But if he's going to do 30-0 and 0 to defend his belt, it has to be Tony Ferguson. It doesn't matter that Tony Ferguson lost to Justin. It's just because he's the only one left. It's the history of this fight never coming to, never coming to pass. So um, I think if we come around to what you're, sort of, what you're predicting, it's got to be Tony Ferguson or, or bust. I 100% agree with you. Yeah. I love George St. Pierre. Every time they talk about it, that ship sails further away from me. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I, I can't do this to my heart anymore. I can't look you in the eye and say, I think that he's really going to fight GSP. Uh, the only thing I would say is that if they come to a conclusion and Habib's really walking out, Dana could say, Habib's going to vacate the title, Connor versus Dustin for the belt, Habib's going to just headline a random event, catchweight St. Pierre. And once again, I'm going to double down and call it macaroni with extra cheese. And <laughs> that's just what we're going to do. Because I don't see another scenario where all these things make sense. Do yeah. you? No, there's none. It's just, let's just move on with our lives. If they're going to yeah. do that. Or, you know, let's do it. Just take Tony. Crazy things have happened. I'll say this. If Habib beats Tony, he's officially swept the board. I don't care about Michael Chandler. I think no. that, no offense, Michael got late, got here late to the party. Maybe if he starts whooping everybody, maybe we could talk about Habib says, you know, brother, why not? 31 and 0. <laughs> you know, the, the, the thing he's, you know how he speaks. Come on, yeah. people. You know, maybe then. But to say... Uh, well, he didn't fight that guy. Ah, it's okay. You know, there's still going to be a lot of great fights out there for Chandler. But if not now, when for Tony Ferguson? And I'm aware I've said that many times over the years. But truly, if this isn't the time to go crazy and just put all your chips in, how bad do you really want to get in the cage with that guy? It really will have never happened. And I think that's the last one. And I'll say this. If Habib wants to steal that GOAT status, truly, I think that's the last piece. Because one thing about John Jones with his longevity, you can't say he never fought a light heavyweight that he needed to. He didn't fight this guy. He, didn't, he never got to get in the cage. No, he literally fought all those guys. Some of them twice. You know, yeah. with Gustafsson. So to me, this idea, I, I just feel like Habib taking out Tony Ferguson to add to that resume is just, you know, we've never seen anything like it. And, you know, you talk about GOAT and pound for pound number one, that's kind of that last one. He never did fight Tony, and there's always that what if. It's like, well, he beat everybody. It's like... But Tony Ferguson was winning at the same time, man. And, you know, <laughs> and I get it. If you're Habib, suddenly that feels worse. Because if you're Habib, the same way if there's Tony, there's this idea that we never got to fight. But if we did, I would have got you. And there's this impression that if they were to meet, whichever one wins, there's this idea of like, hey, and guess what? Had we fought years ago, I would have gotten you then too. So that's the mentality, and I get that's very dangerous, you know? So huh, that's where we're at, Natalie. <laughs> I think we hit everything, do you? I think we did, yeah. Okay, I think we got it. Uh, one last piece of news. Uh, Bellator flyweight champion Alima Lay McFarlane will be coming back, I believe, December 19th, the week after the pay-per-view in UFC, to take on undefeated Juliana Velasquez. Uh, Lima 11-0, Juliana 10-0, I'm trying to find that date, December 10, so the Thursday before the pay-per-view, my bad. Um, you know what, uh, I'll say this about this fight, for one, Bellator has officially rescheduled everything from the pandemic, the tournament is going to be moving on by the end of this month, the Chris Cyborg's been back, Douglas Lima, Gegard Musasi, they've all been back. Um, by the way, Gegard Musasi, great performance. Um, put all that together, Alima was kind of the last domino to fall. And now officially she's back on the books. This is great. 
Bellator, if you ask me, is back on schedule. The only thing I have to say now is that probably in the short history of their flyweight division, the most anticipated title fight for that belt. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, for, uh, firstly, I'm always excited to see a Limale fight because it's an entire experience, right, from start to finish, her walkout and everything. I don't know how that will differ now with COVID, um, but but nonetheless, I'm sure she'll think of something special. But yeah, this is going to be her toughest opponent yet, both you know, skills-wise, toughness-wise, grit. Um, I think Juliana Velasquez... Um, is it Vasquez or Velasquez? Velasquez, Velasquez. sorry. Yep. Um, I think she might even be a better striker, at least a harder striker. And she's got that serious judo background. So, so this is a, this is an interesting matchup. The big questions are for me, you know, can Alima Lay withstand the power of Velasquez, and can she neutralize the grappling, which you know Velasquez doesn't really like to use it that much, but she's got it in the in the back pocket there. So. Good matchup, and Alimale always fights in December anyway, so it kind of worked out for her, and uh, just not in Hawaii. But I assume they're going to be at the Mohegan Sun again. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that so, kind yeah. of sucks. Like, you're used yeah. to that Hawaiian beach, and you're going to cold. Uh, they're not in Colorado. They're Connecticut, but Connecticut, still, it's yeah. very cold. Um, you know, uh, when I look at this fight, uh, i got to say that uh, Juliana's probably – one of the, outside of Alima because the wrestling Alima just a uh, a bit of that Habib quality she can get I, I believe in her ability to get most every flyweight in the division right now to the ground with Juliana you have the jiu-jitsu versus the wrestling not that Alima can't grapple and doesn't have jiu-jitsu also but you get the feeling that Juliana's gonna be working from her back and be ready for that what I will say is that Juliana, she's probably one of the more powerful flyweights overall out there. I'm trying to compare her to somebody. Um, if I had to say, I'd say she kind of reminds me a bit of when Antonina Shevchenko is on. Just very long and powerful. Mm -hmm. And when she's at mid-range letting the hands go, she's a very strong woman. Uh, Juliana has that kind of quality. Um, I expect her grappling to be a bit better than Antonina, but that's the only person I could really compare her to. She's just a bit stronger than a bunch of those other girls, and I think that that's really lended itself to her victories. This is a big one for Alima, because uh, I think quite bluntly, you beat uh, Juliana. I'll say this now, you know, everybody else in the division, she's not fighting her buddy Liz Carmouche. Well, maybe, but I'll get into that later. But... Uh, Juliana's beaten Bruna Ellen. She's beaten Christina Williams. The obvious suspects are have kind of been removed from the board by Juliana. So unless Alima's looking to have this possible passing of the torch to her teammate, I almost feel like what's there left for Alima and Bellator. They will always find somebody, but that's kind of the last step to say, hey, I really did take out everybody in this run I had. Yeah, it is. It is. And then it makes me think like, huh, how would she, you know, of course, it's the obvious uh, next next thought, which is how would she fare in the UFC? Um, that gets that gets very interesting, right? But but I think, um, I don't know, I feel like if Alima Lay does, does uh, feel the way she might, as you've described uh, with having defeated everybody, I kind of see her just walking off into the sunset as opposed to trying to move on to a new promotion. But who knows? I think that she's not interested in UFC. I, I yeah. think that she just... Uh, I'll say this. I think that she feels like to jump over just wouldn't make the most sense. And um, yeah, the impression I've always gotten is she's here to just make the most out of the opportunity she has right now. I think that for her to jump into UFC, especially in the flyweight division... I don't think they'd give her Valentina right away. I think they would probably match her up with a Andrade or Lauren Murphy if she were to jump over tomorrow. And I think there's a bit of that look, you know, I can headline UFC, you know, well, like right now, like UFC 97.5 at the apex, 
<laughs> or I can have everything in Bellator and look at this show built around me. I think that that's a very fair thing is if you're not feeling this, like, you know, if you're just in it to compete, test yourself and make the most money, what's there to gain by, you know, taking a step back for a few fights? Because she said she's probably on her last contract anyway, or just a few fights. So I don't think she feels this burning. Oh, I need, I can't leave this earth without testing myself against Valentina Shevchenko. Yeah, no, I just don't think not. that's there. Definitely not there. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, and uh, truth be told, you ask a lot of people, if you were in her shoes, they'll say, I want to, I'd rather be the Queen of Hawaii for Bellator also. And that's completely yeah. fair. There's a lot of money. She's oh on, God. she's on, what is it, Budweiser over there? I'm Every sorry, but you tell me a, a UFC flyweight not named Valentina who could, you could put on beer and it makes sense. Yeah, no, she, she like, owns that space. And there's like zero incentive to try and like mess with it or recreate it somewhere else. Like just move in a different direction when you're done. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, and I think she's just happy. She's in a good headspace. But yeah, I think that's just where she's at and why we will not see her in UFC, which is a completely fair reason. Like I said, you ask a lot of people, it's like, yeah, I'd do it for the money. I'm in. Give it to yep. me. Yeah. So there we are. Natalie, uh, we are T-minus six, seven days away. I always mess up when I'm doing my conversions. Yeah, I don't uh, know. Six days-ish from uh, Tiago Santos finally coming back. He's finally going to fight Glover Tashira. Uh, Real quick, let's get the obvious one out of the way. Do you feel less excited about this knowing that the winner doesn't get the next title shot? No, I don't. Um, well, you know, maybe Glover Teixeira probably does, but but no, because I want to see how Tiago Santos looks, and I don't, you know, and Glover, he's in that precarious place where like he could continue to climb upward, he could plateau, or he could start to decline. But he's always surprising us in the cage. So, so no, I'm not. How about you? I slightly am because I felt like everything was lined up and. I can't help but think if if these guys had fought, what is it, about a month ago, maybe a month and a half ago now, uh, yeah, it would be a month and a half, that, oh, Jan Blahovich wins and suddenly, you know, you got Santos or Tashira, like, you know, like, come on, let's do it, let's bring the damage. I feel like that would make me more excited. Now it's like, well, we know either of you guys is going to have to wait. Don't get me wrong, yeah. it's going to be good television, but... It does take a little bit of that extra oomph because I think there is something to be said for, oh man, like this one and then my next one's the pay-per-view. Yeah. Knowing this, I mean, I'll just say this right now. With this in mind, depending on the layoff, I'm not entirely convinced that the winner doesn't have to now fight someone like Alexander Rakic uh, in their, before they get a title shot. Yeah, that That's, would stink. Yeah. You get what I mean? I hear you. I hear you. Now, mind you, let's talk about the great TV we are going to see. And mind you, there is the whole backup and uh, wait, sit out and wait, which if you're Santos, do you really want to do that? Um, Tashira, maybe, but that's another thing. You kind of want to strike while the iron is hot if you can, if you're Glover. Uh, to talk about it, though, this is a great stylistic fight. Um, I feel like we've been close to talking about this for a few time, a few times now. I think that what it really comes down to is what Tiago Santos are we going to see? Because the Tiago Santos who was on his way to a title shot and had two good knees, quite bluntly, is probably one of the scariest guys in the division. Uh, mind you, all of the UFC, I'd put him probably a step under Francis Ngannou in terms of being a knockout artist, if we're yep. being honest. I think that his explosiveness, his power, I think that he has, he's aware of he has multiple weapons, he has powerful kicks. He can knock you out with either hand. He knows his physicality. Uh, similar to Anderson Silva on Saturday. He gets in your face and suddenly that creates openings because you feel his presence. I think that is as much a part of his game as any technique he does in terms of throwing the hands. I think the real key is if he comes back as that guy, is he, you know, that's a dangerous person. 
if he is compromised, if, you know, he eats two or three leg kicks and suddenly it looks like he's, uh, he doesn't have his legs under him, suddenly that becomes a very different guy. Suddenly that becomes somebody who you just get in and out and you're most likely going to just kind of knock him over because he doesn't have that good base under him. So I think that's the real key. But outside of that, you have a very technical guy in Glover Tashira, a guy who knows how to box, very competent on the ground, especially his top game. We've seen him use his submissions when he's on top. He's a very... Very difficult guy to deal with when he's on top of you on the ground. That makes for a lot of uh, interesting uh, routes that this fight could go. But for sure, the real question is, what kind of Santos is Tashira dealing with? Because I think that if he's dealing with the old Santos, uh, in and out is the only way you're going to be able to get this thing done. You have to just not be in anywhere near that space when Santos comes at you. Maybe look for some takedowns. If he's more vulnerable, some high volume probably is going to be work to your favor because you're going to want to really take the fight away, take the wind away early, and then just see if you could tire him out as the fight goes on. Yeah, you nailed it, man. The the, the big question is the same for me: is what which Tiago Santos are we going to get? How's he going to perform? You know, we're looking at new and improved, same, which is terrifying, right? Because that's the the guy who fought and I think beat John Jones or or a lesser version, but. We'll find out on Saturday. Um, Glover, yes, has been reliably steady in this division. Even when you think, oh, man, he's maybe he's he's over the hill. Nope, nope, there he is. Slick boxing, intelligent movement. He's got that veteran savvy. Still pretty good chin. Um, By the way, looked I, in great shape for the yeah. Smith fight. Like, I feel like he looked very trim and lean in that fight. He did. I mean, he was knocking teeth out. I mean, the guy's, the guy's in great shape, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Definitely should look to use leg kicks from the start. Uh, pick Santos apart from the bottom up. You know, high volume over time, right? Um, but yeah, Thiago's physically imposing. That's going to be the difference maker. Could is likely to be the difference maker, right? Um, unless uh, Thiago comes in, uh, you know, lean <laughs> half uh, half the man he used to be. So so for all that Glover has as far as assets uh, that we've talked about. Will he have enough power to hurt Tiago? I don't know. So, so yes, he has to attack early and fast, high volume, bottom up is how I see he. Sh- I think he should do it and just cause more damage before with smaller shots before Tiago can hurt him with the bigger shot. Um, so it's it's a it's a heck of a fight, man. This is uh, yeah. You, as as I say this out loud. To you, it is a little bit of a bummer that there's not more on the line here. But there's still going to be the contender, right? The winner. It's just like, how long are you willing to sit it out? Um, so it, it is kind of a bummer that they're not going to get that think, big shot. Yeah, I think a big part of that depends on how soon do they book that fight with Jan and Adesanya. Because if they book it in February, I could see either man playing the backup card or trying to, you know... Just wait it out. See if Jan knocks him out real quick and maybe you turn it around. You're fighting for the title in June. That's very possible. And if yeah. that's the case, I would wait. But if it gets pushed a little bit and it becomes a bit of a knockdown drag out with damage on both sides, that probably doesn't happen. And that's where guys like Rakich come in and all that other stuff. So I hear you. Oh, man. It would just be such a good fight for the title, no? <laughs> this guy or that guy fighting Blahovich. Arasanya, just, you know, wait for Till or Jack, maybe. But I get it. He wants to set up that Allegiant Stadium fight. It's all good. Anyway, on that note, let's, uh, let's get to the, you know, the fun cherry on top. Who takes it this <laughs> Saturday? Okay. I actually, uh, I have Tiago Santos, TKO round four, um, but my heart wants Glover. I'm rooting for Glover. And even though I laid out and you did too, we don't know what Tiago we're going to get. I'm betting on the fact that we're going to get the big scary guy. And, uh, and I think he's going to, he's going to get the best of Glover eventually. And, and round four. Sorry. I think I said, I think I said two, but I meant to say round four. Round four. Um, TKO round four, Tiago Santos, but I'm rooting for Glover. So, you know. Heart versus head. What about you? 
you know, it, it's very similar. Like every time I want to say it's like just Santos power, I just kind of get reminded like, man, if there's a guy at light heavyweight who you just feel like his technical prowess and just his ability to get the job done could work against Tiago, it's a guy like Glover Tashira. And it's just like old faithful, man. You just, I kind of just believe in his ability to slip and move and make it work. He doesn't have to worry about the wrestling like he did with Corey Anderson. Um, you put all that together and you feel like, you know what? He can slip and move. He's going to be able to avoid the power. But I, I got to say, when I think about that, I remember there's a reason Tiago Santos almost beat John Jones on no legs. Mm-hmm. He is that dangerous and you got to imagine a lot of camp, check kicks, move, don't stand there. How could it not be, right? Yeah. I don't think he'd be back unless he was feeling that good. So I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go Tiago Santos. I'm going to go third round. I okay. think that that's, that's when he's going to finally find the opening to, to get the job done. All right. So same page, but not same round. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, all right. But you're rooting for Glover, too. <laughs> you know what? I, I would love to see it happen for him. Um, but even then, it's like I'm aware that it's always it's always been a tough mountain to climb at, his, at this stage of the game for Glover. Yeah. I'll admit that. Yeah, yeah. for sure. That's just, that's just how it is. But um, I will say this. If there's a time, the time is now also. I'll give him that respect. Uh, so we're on the same page, like you said. Next week, we do have a return to the lightweight division. Wait, lightweight or welterweight? I forget. Uh, I just assume lightweight. No, no. Dos Santos is, is welterweight now, right? Unless he moved back down. I would double check. Uh, but very bluntly, they have rebooked it. The fight between Islam Makachev and Rafael Dos Anjos. This one, it's telling me 155. So I guess RDA went back down. Okay. But the fact is, this is quite an interesting fight. I think that um, we know Dana White says this very publicly, and I sometimes wonder how RDA feels about it, but he says that uh, Dos Anjos is essentially the baseline if you are ready to face a tough competition. You'll notice, like, so many guys, you beat Dos Anjos, you're in a big fight. Like, Kamaru and Colby... And, uh, you know, a bunch of these other guys, um, yeah. that's just how they keep doing it, right? So, in my opinion, I think that that's exactly what we're seeing. I think that the UFC is officially giving Islam Makachev the litmus test. They want to see, um, you know, there's the whole storyline, like, with Habib. Is there going to be a passing of the torch with these guys? And Islam obviously works with... Uh, the American Kickboxing Academy and all those guys there. So I do think that there's going to be a lot of that aspect going on. But this is just a very interesting, just very interesting fight. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm not, you know, no offense. I'm not terribly excited about it. Oh, by the way, it's at 155. Yeah, yeah, it it is. I just saw the poster here. It says lightweight belt. So um, I didn't know that Dos Anjos had moved back down. So, which is interesting. Like, usually the older you get, you know easier to go up but or to stay there so we'll see how he fares with the weight cut um he's had some issues before but he's also a pro so we'll just assume he's gonna be fine um yeah i mean islam's the hot prospect and dos santos is the gatekeeper whether he likes it or not at this point so so yeah i'm excited to see how islam performs but you know i'm not like gonna be running to the tv to watch it live unless you know, there's like, unless like Joe decides that he doesn't need his mother anymore or something. And then it's like, okay, I can do that. You're not going to be in a hurry to watch UFC. Well, it's a little harder these days. So I'll just put it that way. Okay, that's fair. Now, it's going to be an interesting one. I think that the big test is that, uh, you know, whether or not Islam can be that guy, I think is what we're going to see. And We'll get into all of that. How is he going to get the job done or not against Rafael Dos Anjos? Ladies and gentlemen, I'm aware 
If you live in the United States, we have quite a lot going on this week. All I would say is go out there and make your, let your voice be heard, but please be safe. And that is really all I can really say about that, Natalie. I can just tell you right now, I feel like the, anytime I turn on everything, it's the first commercial when they go to break. It's the last commercial before my show comes back telling me about something going on on Tuesday. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, uh, I guess it's safe to say a lot on the line. Wherever you stand, doesn't matter. And yeah, everyone stay safe. I agree. <laughs> Thank you. Guys, until then, enjoy the fights. We'll be back next week.